Hello. Cool. So, hello. There's a bit of a delay. We're trying to... New, new podcast, new systems. Everybody's getting used to it. Um, so, welcome to this brand new podcast. This is The Doctor and The Dummy. Um, I am Phil, and I am not The Doctor. <laughs> so, that would only make me The Dummy. So, this is a brand new podcast. Um, we're launching. Uh, bear with us on this first episode. Basically, we're going to introduce ourselves, get used to the system, and go from there. So... Yeah, so we're super excited to have you join us, and we're really excited to just get started and joining this podcast and what we're going to have to offer for you. So I'm going to let Phil kind of introduce the podcast a little bit more, and so you can kind of get to know both of us. Yeah, so the podcast, we basically wanted to do something slightly different, um, because we think we both offer something different. Um, I will offer the nonchalant quizzical questions of a dummy um, with some kind of insight myself and hopefully Caroline who is actually a doctor will um, correct me when I'm wrong on a multiple times and levels and put me down the right path and hopefully that'll educate yourselves give you something to listen to um, to join learn and go from there we'll also I think as the podcast progress we'll get some interviews with other people involved um, and we'll get some questions from audience because uh, that is a feature I've just realized on this app that we use so that's quite useful so people can check in with us and we can answer any questions so first let me introduce the brains of the podcast as we've already discussed i am the dummy with us the truly inspirational dr caroline iskovitz now i'm gonna probably get corrected a million times on the name but it's definitely iskovitz i checked that <laughs> you got it right this time <laughs> there we go see i got it right this time uh, the doctor has a doctorate in psychology for marriage and family from the chicago school of professional psychology Having spent time working in the mental health field, she had quickly got burnt out. And now, in that nine-to-five rat race, we all get burnt out in. So I think she gave up on that idea. So Caroline then decided she could provide more of an impact in a shorter period of time by pursuing her passion of life coaching and is now the doctor of decluttering, which is a phrase that I made up, which I actually think is really good. There's a reason for that, and we'll, we'll come across that. This is something that we will touch on on every podcast because I will just keep calling her the doctor because... I'll get confused after a while if I don't change names. <laughs> yes, and so you did a great job getting my last name. Everybody mispronounces it, so I'm really glad yes. you got it. And we'll just stick to doctors so you don't get tongue twisters. Thank you. <laughs> um, but let me introduce the dummy, who is actually an extremely talented and motivating Philip Diston. And I say that right? Yeah. Oh, I hope I said that right. Uh, <laughs> now I'm the one who can't pronounce. <laughs> Uh, no, but just kidding. Well, first off, he's no dummy at all. He's the guy you want to be around with as he's always been able to be quick on his feet and ready to protect because Phil worked at a top level security operator in the UK and got to travel all over the world. So as he's been able to see almost every airport, hotel and stadium and music event that someone can only dream of. And he reached a point where he realized he had so much more to give and was ready to follow his true passions and phil is a jack of all trades let's be real but he really stands out as an entrepreneur with his dog walking business and we're going to talk way more about that because it's something so unique that i found so intriguing about him as well and you will too but he also is part of a networking marketing company and photography is one of his other loves and passions and as we progress through the podcast you'll really get to know how incredible and inspirational Phil is. And I'm so excited for you guys to get to know him. Oh, well, so that that's, is the dummy. <laughs> yeah, that's the dummy. Yeah, I am the one. Um, I believe my education is in life. I have no letters, no numbers, no names. It is just me. Um, we have a funny thing because the old jack of, jack of all trades, I left it in there because obviously I don't know how the expression goes in America, but it's jack of all trades and master of none in the UK. So uh, that kind of puts me down as... <laughs> Just try anything. If you don't succeed, try something else is, is what my granddad always used to say. But um, I think I've stuck to certain things in my life that kind of lead me down that way. So um, so we're going to cover a few things. This is basically an introduction. So first of all, we're going to discuss why we want to do a podcast. And um, we'll also look at how we grew up together, our education, our careers be- previous. Obviously, my 19-year career that I just quit last year and um, where we are now. And the goals for life, podcast, business, whatever goes on. That'd be the kind of the introduction for this podcast. We don't want to 
go into too much depth and we'll, we'll break it down over the next three. I think we've got planned podcasts of a bit more about us and then we'll go into more in-depth topics. But we'll probably drift because we've had a couple of chats and we do drift off and we end up going down strange <laughs> paths and um, I don't watch a lot of news. So um, I like to have a dig every time when I see something on Twitter about Donald Trump. But um, Caroline said, if wrong, will laugh at me um, because <laughs> I think everyone feels the same. So, um, the, well, we don't stick to the themes. We will put a theme on each one, but we probably will drift off and come back um, unless there is obviously a specific kind of thing we want to cover, uh, including interviews. Obviously, we'll stick to, to what we're doing with interviews. So, I am going to start off with why I wanted a podcast because for me, and I know this is something the doctor, as I'm going to say the doctor for the first episode, Caroline has said um, she's wanted to do for a while as well. And it's something I want to do because I'm a big podcast listener, especially since I started my dog walking business, as we mentioned, because I'm out in the woods and with dogs and I need something to listen to. So for me, I've always wanted to start a podcast, but never knew what I had to offer, what I could do who I could do it with, should I do it on my own? Um, and then I've been thinking about this for like 18 months. I'm a big Joe Rogan podcast fan. I'm a big Tim Ferriss fan, Ben Greenfield. A lot of mine go around these athlete sportings. But then I listen to other things such as Russell Brand, who's a bit more out there. And there's a BBC3 podcast, or BBC4, sorry, um, with Professor Brian Cox, which is really good, um, called The Infinite Monkey Cage. Um, which is part comedy, part educational, which is really good. And I'm not sure if you've heard of that one, Caroline. I haven't, but I'm intrigued now. Yeah, so you get the brilliance of an astrophysicist you know, that was a piano player in a major band in the 90s um, and a comedian, basically, and they get other comedians. It's a really good podcast. It's short, especially from a radio show, and they just cut it down. And I love listening to that one because it really does make me feel even more of a dummy when they come up with words that I can't even pronounce, let alone know what they are or attempt to spell them or do anything. So um, but I'll, let, I'll let Caroline come in and she'll explain why she wants to do a podcast because I know this has been an exciting thing for you for the last few weeks for us to get this started. Yes, no, I'm super excited about this. And, you know, I've been wanting to do podcasts ever since I actually started my business or even before I started my business. Um, but when the idea came about, when Phil told me about it, I was super excited because I want to be able to educate people. I want to be able to bring value at a higher level. And some of my idols for podcasts are Lewis Howes. I just absolutely love his podcast, The School of Greatness, and um, Jay Lee, or John Lee, I'm sorry. Um, he has entrepreneurs on fire. So like hearing those two guys individually have been so powerful for me in the last like two years that I've been listening to them. But I think having my own, I didn't think I was ready or like you were saying too, um, what I do about myself, what I do with somebody. Would, would so anybody, would anybody for... want to listen to me just waffle on in the background? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, at least you can bring value. I would just waffle on about I don't know, dogs and sport, and that would probably be it, and I wouldn't get, wouldn't have a pass. Hey, but, I'm a big, <laughs> but I'm a big sport person too, like Green Bay Packers, which we'll get into later. Mm. Um, but I really think it's so important just to have some platform where we can bring on people, have an inspirational message, and I think we both can agree on that. We want to inspire people because we've been inspired by others, and we want to carry that forward to the next generation or just to other individuals that – might hear something that will resonate with them. Yeah. So that's essentially why I want I think, to I think start a podcast. I think, I think you're right. I think there's the resonation we want to, want to try. And, because like we said, we, I've been wanting to do this for 18 months and I think it's similar for you. And we've just, we listen to these other people and you listen to them resonate. And you're like, well, why would anyone listen to me? Because obviously people we have mentioned mm -hmm. or I've mentioned especially are well known. So Joe Rogan is an international superstar comedian, commentator, and led the way with podcasting. He's been doing it for years and is... Mm -hmm. known as one of the innovators of podcasting float tanks pushing through marijuana whatever it is that joe rogan's doing people are on board with it and he is that kind of inspirational person um and mm -hmm. for me the industry was in before nobody's going to listen to anything about security we're really boring we look at all the negative stuff and that's kind of we'll touch on that as we go through from how i've come from a negative industry to being I think personally, and this is me putting a bit of an ego spin on it for once, um, an actual quite positive person now, which I completely wasn't. And we'll touch on that and, and my life changing over the next few podcasts as well. So, um, so yes, that's kind of why we decided to do it. I mean, it was 
a chance counter, mm-hmm. which we'll come to. But it was just like, well, yeah, we both want to do a podcast. <laughs> so we just thought, well, let's let's just do one then. And that's, you know, the old feel the fear and do it anyway. I mean, that's a great book if you haven't read that one. Yes, no, it, it's a fantastic book. Yeah. And I think that's so important too. You know, it's you just got to face your fears and move forward. You can't just wait for something to unfold. You have to make those, take those actions because that's what's going to cause results. Yeah. So when we look at sort of where where we are and how we've got to where we are so if we go back let's take it way back to growing up growing up as kids because obviously this is where you studied as a family and child or marriage and child sort of counseling thing so you're mm-hmm. probably gonna make me cry and then make me lay down <laughs> um, and then ask me about my dad um, and all those kind of things so I thought we should just we'll, we'll get out of the way now we'll touch on it now so we'll do what we're doing well, I won't make up. you lay so down I, <laughs> in case you haven't guest already i am english so i'm uk and the dot caroline <laughs> is obviously american so we've grown up in two very different countries uh two very mm-hmm. different backgrounds so it's quite interesting to touch on where we've been um how we grew up etc so i grew up in what is known as council as, as a council estate is what is known in the uk which is kind of uh, government benefited estate i don't know what they call them in america housing benefits you get housing benefits yeah yeah like suburbs or like yeah yeah. so ours was they're called council estates because basically the local councils help support the families that live there so they're not the best places in the uk to grow up they're quite rough um obviously quite run down um and it was very difficult for me growing up my dad left when i was two um my nan and my granddad probably brought me up while mum was at work um and i went from being on a council estate going to state schools to then actually passing um believe it or not i passed passed an entrance exam for a private school and got a scholarship and actually got a lot of subsidized um, education so i actually went to a very public posh private school where you had to wear a shirt tie blazer carry a briefcase side parting hair and all this kind of weird weird rules i had on um, which was obviously very difficult when i lived on a council estate where this was kind of not, I suppose, frowned upon, but you would seen as different because obviously they all went to the same kind of schools. And if you tried to make yourself any better, then it was kind of a, you know, they tried to pull you back down. It's the old crab theory in it, where if you put all the crabs in a bucket, no crab can escape because the other ones pull them back in, which is a weird natural phenomenon that I've never understood. Follow the leader, don't pull the leader back, otherwise you're never going to go anywhere, is um, what I like to believe. And obviously, like I said, I brought up my nan and my granddad. So my granddad, is a major influence on me. That's where the jack of all trades comes in because he always used to say to me, you're a jack of all trades and a master of none, which was kind of like, I don't know if that's a good thing or not because I I played a lot of sport. That's my main reason. So I do a lot of sport and I always dabble into things and I you know, try anything, one sort of thing. Um, but never really, he said, never see, never progress to see it through. So um, I'm hoping now, that he's passed away a few years ago, that he's looking down and sort of going, actually, he's succeeding what he's doing now. So maybe, maybe my ex-army ways of being quite harsh on him have actually worked out for the better but um it was a, it was a great man he's not like harsh it's just his like dry army sense of humor that he would just bring in so <laughs> that was my kind of brief growing up and i'm, I'm sure the doc's gonna ask me loads of questions but we'll we'll get her info <laughs> in and then she can lay me down on the couch and ask me lots of questions <laughs> well i mean definitely lots of questions but a little <laughs> bit of <laughs> We'll get to that, I promise. That's, that's reassuring. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, just kidding. Um, yeah, no, so growing up, it like I was very lucky. I mean, my parents have been so supportive for my sister. I have an older sister and a younger brother. And we grew up in a town called Weston, in, close to Fort Lauderdale Beach. Um, it's about like 20 minutes away. It's kind of like the Everglades. It used to be the Everglades. Um, but then they started building on that's it. Just so where, we have, that's just where crocodiles live, isn't it? I mean, yeah, yeah. There's so many alligators, crocodiles. And you just bomb <laughs> around on those trips big boats with a big fan in the background. That's all yeah, I know. Yeah, that's, exactly. that's my guess. Yeah, that was like field trips. I remember that in like the elementary <laughs> school. <laughs> just keep your hands and feet in the like little boat. <laughs> oh dear. But you'll be fine. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> nothing nothing dangerous could ever happen with alligators and a boat with no real steering yeah control. i mean i'm still here i got my hands my feet i'm good uh <laughs> so no accidents but <laughs> so yeah i grew up in florida and i mean florida was great like i mean living in kind of a nice area i was very lucky um my upbringing my parents were really supportive my mom's a school teacher and my dad was a school teacher and got promoted a few times to being principal 
And funny enough, in middle school, he was my principal. So it was very challenging. Teacher's pet. Teacher's pet. <laughs> oh, yeah. You would always have to work so much harder. And like, I was, that's the funny thing about this whole like me being a doctor because I had to work so hard in school. Like, nothing ever came easy to me. Um, but I always had such an incredible work ethic. At least I like to think so. So, like, growing up, soccer was, like, my main sport, or in the UK, you call it football. Yeah, that's called football. <laughs> you, you use your feet, but therefore it's called football. Uh, Just, it's, 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 it's an obvious football. statement, and no, you know, you throw a football, doesn't make any sense. I know, yeah. I know. <laughs> Well, so I played football up until like in through middle school um, to eighth grade. And I started cheerleading then. Cheerleading was like a big part of my life. And I was able to do like an all-star team. So here, I don't know how it is in the UK, but we have like, it's called all-stars. So you travel all over the state for like cheerleading and you go to competitions and you compete against other cheerleading teams. So it's not just like standing on the sidelines like it used to be years ago. So I did that in like high school, I coach, I did all this fun stuff and we'll get to that later. But um, yeah, so growing up, like I felt like I had a really supportive family and I think that's kind of what led me to being a marriage and family therapist in turn, um, I, going into that mental health field was really powerful for me because I saw what a great family dynamic looked like. Of course, we've had our ups and downs, um, but going back to high school, I got into Nova Southeastern University, which is 20 minutes away from where I grew up. And they, I originally wanted to be an architect. I know I'm kind of going on tangents, mm-hmm. but I wanted to be an architect. And they didn't have that major, but I got a cheerleading scholarship for college. So I went to the school and I was planning on going for a year and then transferring. I ended up staying and graduating a year early. So our bachelor's program is like four years. I did it in three and I fell in love with psychology. I loved it, like being able to understand human behavior and the mind-body connection. So I decided, okay, let, let me just finish out my years. I stayed with psychology and then I didn't graduate college a year early to just kind of sit around and do nothing. So I like got my master's and then I ended up going back and getting my doctorate, but I had moved out to California to pursue that. So it's been like a ride, and now I'm yeah. back in Florida back, temporarily back, back with the family. before I move again. Never, never far away. <laughs> back with the family. The fact that yeah. So that's you, you just... played played football. That's, that's football. I'm doing some air yes. quotes. Yeah. It's football um, and soccer in America. Now <laughs> you will switch to cheerleading. Now yeah. I don't want to point this out, but you are three foot six. Or <laughs> <laughs> add a couple yeah, yeah, inches okay. to so that. You, you, was it the height that stopped you playing soccer? And made you cheerleading, or was it just passion for something else? You know, that's such a great question. And I asked my mom this recently because I was like, why did I stop? And I think it's because everyone just got so much bigger than me, like taller wise, and I couldn't keep up because, like, yeah. Yeah. I was 4'11. <laughs> well, it was probably 4'9 at the time. <laughs> that's the way that- a little bit more, but yeah, no. <laughs> it, and then cheerleading, being. Sure, I got to like fly and like flip in the air. Like, who doesn't well, yeah. want to do that? Yeah, yeah, like, get yeah, caught. As as you get caught when I would get caught, and be thrown up, and they go, "Yeah." Sometimes I just throw somebody in the air and then just completely forget. But I mean, it's similar because I, I, yeah, I mean, it's yeah, happened. I'm... Don't get me wrong. Yeah. <laughs> I, hit the I mean, it's hard. similar because I played football as a, as a kid, um, because that's kind of the national sport in in England. Um, and I was a goalkeeper, but I am only five foot ten. So, and I've never grown from five foot ten since I was fourteen, fifteen. I've always been that. So they kind of said, "Look, you're not getting any taller. You're not going to make a goalkeeper." Um, I didn't have the foot skills to say to make an outfield. So I, I love football um, as a kid. Mm. I fell out of love with football when mm-hmm. I, I played at a, a feeder level, kind of into the national, the bigger teams, and I played for a couple of local clubs around here where I live. Um, and it's actually footballers or soccer players that put me off the game because <laughs> and I hate it because I played because I went to private school. We weren't allowed to play football. There was no football teams at private school because it's private education. It's cricket, which is obviously a very middle class class sport. Rugby, um, eventually they put hockey in, but those were two and athletics. So those are the kind of sports that I played all the way through. And when I went to university, I played I played hockey there. Um, 
as a goalkeeper because it was my natural position to fall back into where I knew. And hockey goals are a lot smaller and they give me lots of padding. And you know, I, I look bigger, goals look smaller, makes it a little bit easier. Um, and I, you know, I, I feel for you because height is not, you know, people say height is not an issue. You get the, you know, you get the odd soccer player, Maradona, um, Lionel Messi, who are, who are shorter, mm. shorter than average hockey, mm-hmm. player, uh, hockey players, football players. So, um, it does work, but for me as a goalkeeper, um, there was only one short goalkeeper. I knew as a kid who was the Mexican goalkeeper, Santos, I believe his name was, and he was five foot eleven. So I was like, "Well, he's five foot eleven. They're like, "Yeah, he's one, one goalkeeper that's five. The rest are all six foot four plus." It's just not. And I was like, oh, "Okay, fair enough." And then I, I drifted off, and I said, "I fell out of love with the game, and I played rugby for a while, um, which is basically American football set for tougher people because we don't wear pads. Um, I don't, these Americans, they like to." you know, hit people with pads on this a bit, bit of a... Yeah, that's true. What do you think the difference, like, between football and rugby were for you, like, switching um, from that? It's the attitude of the people that play the game, mainly. It is, um, because you believe... I think, it, and I'm saying, using the word believe, I think it's a belief. There's not an arrogance with rugby players so much there will be a few but on the majority they're not they have a firm belief in what teams are and the firm belief in themselves which you have to because you can't it's a massive contact sport you can't 50 50 anything because you will get injured basically if you don't believe that you're going to make that tackle if you don't believe that you can run through somebody you're going to get injured and that's what my coach has always said it's literally you cannot you cannot stop, you cannot think, because you're just going to get hurt, basically. And I mean, when you're sort of 13, 14, 15, you're like, I don't want to get hurt. What is this game? Oh my gosh. But that's, that's what it is. And I suppose, you know, I think it's different over here. I know the scouting in America is massive um, because we have scouts come to our schools for certain things like athletics and things like that, where they want to take them to American colleges to, to compete. Um, and we had a couple of, mm-hmm. couple of guys from our school that were very good basketball players and they actually went out for trials um, at a college level out there. So um, I don't know how they did. I don't think they, they got in. I think it's a completely different level from UK basketball to American basketball. And I think that's evident in the Olympics where no, nobody really touches the Americans in terms of basketball. Um, but um, yes, I mean, you know, sport was a major part of my life as, as it has been for you. Cheerleading, is it a sport? Oh, I don't know, is it a sport? Yeah. Is it a sport? Yeah, yeah, it's a sport. <laughs> it's got rules, this it's got regulations, it's got competition. Itself. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's one of those, you have to be brave to be those people that get thrown around. I, I do believe that. Um, and I watched, I actually watched a Chinese free gymnastic thing, which was almost like cheerleading. And it just, those people are nuts. Just throw them in the air and just watch them spin around and around and then hope somebody catches them by his hands. Not like a full body catch, literally. Yeah, just catch by the hands and just swing you back up again. And I was like, you've just got to be a different mm-hmm. level. And the guy being thrown was about four foot nothing. So you probably were yeah. the ideal height. Yeah. yeah. yeah so. And there's a lot of requirements too, like height-wise, weight-wise and stuff for cheerleading as well. Like once you get to like the competent yeah. level. And, yeah. yeah. So the, the also, like, you're, you're competing, was that like... Was that uh, a mixture of colleges? Is that what you're saying? So when you say, yeah. Mm-hmm. So when I did it in high school, it was like, I mean, ages like as young as four up to like maybe 21, right. 22. Um, and then for college, it was just other colleges around the United States. Yeah. Because obviously, yeah, it was like I a think national it's, it's quite different here because we play, I suppose, because we don't have anything like that. We're all age categories and we have counts because we're, based on counties rather than states or I don't want you you know you have counties within your state so we play Hampshire versus Lancashire so you get picked for those kind of counties um, but they come from all mm. different schools and they travel around and compete but um, as a school we were quite strong when I was at school in the sporting field of cricket and rugby um, what we were mm. known for back then not so much now that school isn't so sporting as it used to be um and i'm not going to say because it went mixed educational because when i went there it was an all boys school so that kind of tells you how private oh. thing is so it was an all boys bring up until i was when i went into my gcse year which is 15 16 that's when it went co-educational um, and since then it's been co-ed and it's kind of lost and it, I, and i understand it's not because and i don't want to sound sexist because it's not but because they because the classroom's never big if you take out 15 boys out of class and put 15 girls in, 
then you're you're narrowing your rugby teams down. When there's only 15 players to a rugby team, you're kind of narrowing your choices down. So I think that's where it's dropped. I know their netball teams are very strong, mm-hmm. which is, you know, so the girls are doing well there. And I know it's educational level of pass has gone gone up. And, and you know, and we were always, it was always strong education anyway. And there was always kind of a high pass rate for a boys' school because boys' schools are always known, they'll either go one way or the other. Um, and it's the co-educationals mm-hmm. that tend to do well because girls do perform much better educationally, I, I think. And that's my own opinion. Um, you know, I'm not on the bandwagon that we should, you know, it's us two and mean this and that and they'll do pin badges and everyone should get paid the same. I think you should get paid on the merit. I mean, this is this is going to sound a bit sexist probably, but you should get paid on your merit. I think if you, you're 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 as good at doing your job as a man is, or a man's as good as doing a woman's job, then you should let it all get paid the same. That's it. But I think um, the pay bracket argument is kind of so statistically wrong in terms of they try and compare two different types of jobs to show a pay gap. I think that's that's stupid. But if you're in the same field and you do the same thing, mm-hmm. then you should get paid the same. I don't see why there would be any mm-hmm. difference. And I think there are, you know, and that's, you know, yeah. in, in my, because we touched, I do a network marketing business. My network marketing business is predominantly females. It's literally all the leaders and all the million dollar owners are females. Because they're good at what they do, and you know that's, and they're proving that on merit they can run a business better than some of the men in the business. So mm-hmm. I think that's you know, the highest earner in our business is female. So yeah, yeah, but then that's, that's kind of drifted off. So education wise, so where did we get to? We went through your education system. I did go to university, and <laughs> um, I didn't get a degree. Mm-hmm. Uh, I spent five years at university. Should have been a three-year course. Um, mm-hmm. Generally had fun, played a lot of sport. Um, and then my first year I was ill. So I failed my first year. They wouldn't give me a medical disclaim. Second year they failed me on plagiarism. And then I took them to a tribunal court um, because I didn't think it was plagiarism and nobody else did. And then I sat another year out. And then after they failed me again, I thought, you know what, five years trying to get a three year degree to prove other people wrong. Um, it wasn't really worth mm-hmm. my time. So that's kind of, yeah. so my education is short. So I did, I did well for private school. I did well to get into university. I kind of fluked my way in to be fair. I didn't quite get the grades I needed, but I was an athlete. So a lot of universities over here take you on the strength of being an athlete and pass an entrance, mm-hmm. like interviews and stuff. So that was fine. So mm-hmm. but I was the first one in my family to go to university. So not the complete Which is major. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so, um, and then... University was good. I played a lot of sports. So I played hockey quite a lot, um, cricket. Um, I kind of stopped playing rugby when I went to university, just stopped playing altogether. And I played for a bit when I came back out of university. After five years, I went back to my old club um, and separated my tib and fib at the ankle joint. So that kind of ended my career in rugby because my ankle's not as strong as it should be. I could just wrap it up and play probably. They keep saying come back and play vets because I'm really old now. Um, I can get away with playing <laughs> veterans. But um, that's kind of... You never know. You might surprise yourself. I know, yeah. It's, it's just the running. <laughs> I like cycling. I don't mind gym, but I just don't want to run around for 18 minutes. And, you know. But you're active. I mean, your whole business... Yeah, my whole business is active. Being yeah, outdoors. 20 plus kilometres a day. So, I mean, it's not like I'm dawdling around in an office, I suppose, but... But yeah, so my education was different to yours. I think our, our, the education system is completely different in America. It's here. I, I don't know what high school age is. I couldn't tell you what college age is. Because college to you is university, I think, isn't it? I don't... Yeah, so like college undergrads, like anywhere from like just turning 18 to 22 mm-hmm. was like the average. But I think the average is changing. Because yeah, university for us is 18 to... 20 it takes three years on average of what degree is and um, that's called university mm. so college for us is actually 16 to 18 which is sixth or sixth form level as it's called there which is a levels and then it's school before that but you have but you call your universities universities and then say i'm going to college and it just you're going to college or you're going to university you don't do both it's really confusing but... yeah no i think like because we have a lot of like community college or junior colleges so like because those tend to be less like financially and then like so you could go to like a state university versus like just a regular college I mean we use both terms but they mean the same thing so it's confusing like if you don't know it's confusing <laughs> soccer and football college and university that's just... <laughs> uh, anyway so that's kind of 
are growing up in education. I think we've covered a bit. We'll probably come back to it a bit more because you'll probably quiz me on me. Because so, I, I do want to touch because obviously you did say about supportive family. And I said my dad left at two and my nan and grandma. My family are supportive. I don't want to say that my dad doesn't support me. Yeah, <laughs> no, no, no. Of course, of course, of course. I just meant like that, you know, like that fam- the typical like family unit, nuclear, yeah. we call it like the nuclear family system. Yeah. But I think like, especially in America, like there's so many different varieties of like what a family can look like or yeah. who's supportive or who's like physically there versus like they're there when they can be versus like what their job is. You know, there's so many elements to yeah. it. So I would love to hear more about like, your upbringing like with your dad and like your family your supportive family yeah. and everything i mean everyone we'll, we'll, we'll come to that i'm sure we'll, we'll have an episode in that but i just wanted to say my yeah. family do support me if they ever listen to this podcast they're like just wrote me off just didn't even acknowledge i was there but no my my dad yeah my dad and mum split up when i was two you know differences these happen divorces um but my dad's always been there um you know he's He's, he's, he's like a, a good mate now because obviously I'm older and he's older. So it's not like a, you kind of think the father something does drift into that kind of friendship thing more than it does anything else. I think father daughter is always going to be a father daughter, is always going to be that. But yeah, the, the male bonding bit comes in. So yeah, he's always been there. Mum's always been there. Yeah, mum's very supportive over me, doing my businesses and stuff. So it's not like it was just my nan and granddad and that was it. I was kind of then sent off to a more boys school and forgotten about. Um, they, 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 did, they did care about me. Um, yeah, they wanted the best for exactly, you. And that's what that I told you, I'm not going to yeah. cry. I'm not going to cry. So, <laughs> well, you're not laying down. No, yeah, so. yeah, yeah, <laughs> We're good. Yeah, I'm, on a, I'm on one of those, um, those upright kneeling stools that are really good for your back. Huh. Yeah. Good support. It is, but at the moment, because I'm so jet lagged from coming out from Vegas, I'm kind of leaning on my desk like, it's fine. That's what Vegas will do. Oh, <laughs> Vegas will do that to people in America, let alone us that travel. Eight <laughs> True. Hours but, uh, yeah, so, um, so we'll, we'll come on to careers because we've kind of, it's the natural progression, I suppose. We've done the kind of education mm-hmm. and the yeah, more bringing up. So my career, as you touched on, I, I spent 19 years as a security operator. So from working nightclub bars and stuff as a teenager because um that's what i did while i was at university mm-hmm. to earn extra pocket money if you want to put it that way um bit of extra additional mm-hmm. income so i could spend it back at the bars that i was working you know pay me and then i'll just go back in afterwards and spend it that's uh, kind of how it works as, <laughs> as a great business for them we'll pay them but they'll just put back behind our own bar um and that's kind of what i did and i fell into that because um I was a kickboxer at the time, so I walked in um, with my kickboxing coach. And I went, oh, you two are quite anti people, so uh, do you want a job? And that was basically it. So I worked at the student union bar and then progressed down to the town centre bars and nightclubs. Um, and I've done that on and off for the 19 years. It's just part and parcel of the way I think a lot of people go into the security industry, unless you come from a military background. Um, and a lot of those fall into the higher levels, which I obviously worked my way up to, um, which we'll come to. But yeah, so I started off 19 as a doorman, as they are out here, bouncers. I don't know what they call it in America. I think it's bouncers. I think Vin Diesel was a bouncer, if I remember rightly. Yeah, like at the door. Yeah, yeah, yeah just bouncing. The, normally yeah. dressed in black, looking miserable, you know, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Obviously, <laughs> Some of them are nice. I was never known as the miserable <laughs> one. I was always known as the happy one on the door. If someone needed talking to, send Phil in. If someone needed hitting, send somebody else in. That was kind of how it worked. Um, but it wasn't like I couldn't handle myself. So, um, But I'm just glad to talk to people because I can't be bothered to deal with angry, aggro aggressiveness. Um, it's too much mouth. Yeah, you don't have time for that. No, I don't have time Cut for that. Cut out the negativity, right? <laughs> too much. But that's, that's what, yeah, we'll come to that because obviously that's what I spent 19 years <laughs> in this career. And it wasn't until yes. I kind of I worked my way up. So I did that. And then I worked in... Um, Twickenham Stadium, which is the home of English rugby. Um, and I worked my way up to a manager there. And then eventually mm. I left the stadium to then go and work as a close protection officer, which is bodyguarding. So don't think Kevin Costner. Don't think... If you've ever seen the hitman's bodyguard, that's probably closer, where you just... I haven't got a clue what your client's <laughs> doing. They wind you up all day. They, you know, It's just... Carnage. I mean, a lot. Of, and if you speak to anyone within this field, they will tell you a lot of their money is earned by sitting in hotel corridors or sitting in cars. That's it. It's not mm-hmm. as glamorous as running around and being the hero, you know, saving people from bullets. It's just not. It's 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 a lot more planning, prep, and sitting. Um, it's what we call the hurry up and wait syndrome where everyone's suddenly in a rush and then you just wait around for hours because you've got nothing to do so as we said in the intro I've seen 
Yes, I've travelled the world, Argentina, South Africa, France, <laughs> all these kind of places. Coaches, airports, hotels, stadiums, music events. It's not like I've gone, Argentina is a beautiful country. What can you not tell me about it? Uh, well, the airport was really well air conditioned. And I mean, that's, you know, that's pretty much it. Yeah. yeah and I could tell you there was a couple of nice restaurants because that's part of the deal. We get to go to these restaurants. And yes, um, people know me will say I played a few nice golf courses because I was the only security guard to play <laughs> golf. So when people want to go play golf, I get to play golf. So um, that's part of it as well. And um, mm-hmm. I spent 19 years and I worked my way up and down the ladder because it's kind of the way it, it works. Um, and then I eventually finished last year as a manager for a friend's company. It was a very successful company. Um, I, as I said, I've never had a bad word to say about them. It just wasn't, I left because it was right for me, not because the company was bad. I mean, I've left other companies because the company's mm-hmm. so bad. I'm just like, I can't stay here. This is horrendous. Um, yeah. and you have a falling out and a disagreement of this, that and the other. So, but yeah, I spent 19 years and it wasn't until I kind of had a bit of a breakdown and a see-through that it's such a negative industry that it was impacting me on a personal level. I was in a dark place. I was way overweight. I was five and a half stone heavier than I am now. Um, emotionally, I wasn't emotional. I didn't have an emotional thing. I think you kind of shut down so much that you can't express or take in emotion from anyone else because you're literally everything is on the negative you know there's no kind of oh this is a really good day it's like this is a really bad day what could get worse that's that's the way security is it's like you know this you know the sun could be shining so let's take Mm -hmm. a glorious day sun shining everyone's out happy brilliant so then we have to think about hydration levels have we got enough first day for heat? And everything comes into just as a negative. It's like, yeah, oh, it's a gross sunny day. So we need to get this, get this, get this. What route we got? Is the car air con? Is this done? Is that? And you're just constantly thinking of all the bad things of a day that can go wrong. And I think that gets to yeah. So it, you, mm-hmm. it's one of those industries where the gallows humor comes in. So you can talk about police and firefighters and you know ambulance drivers, army. They, they have a sense of humor that's so dark, twisted, negative because that's interesting so they either pick on each other or it's just weird weird humor that no other person gets um and i was quite lucky that um was i grew up in the stadium for the england rugby i ended up working for england rugby as a as you know travel the world as a security officer and a lot of those people are military so i'm one of the only civilians that's worked in this industry alongside a lot of high level military people um, which is great. Um, there's a few of us that I know that are not ex-military that do quite well at this level. But a lot of people, when they want to hire a bodyguard, normally hire ex-military. So a lot of, you know, or ex-secret service or anything, especially in America. I know a lot of the bodyguards in America are ex-Marines, ex-Navy SEALs, ex-CIA, you know, secret service, whatever. They're all that kind. And they've gone into the civilian field because it tends to pay more and it's definitely less dangerous because... It's not, like I say, it's not like Kevin Costner. It's not, you know, not getting shot at all the time or I'm trying to think what the other film is. Is it Taken? I think Liam Neeson's a bodyguard in Taken. Isn't oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. And he looks after the pops yeah, and has to fight. Yeah, I've, I've looked after many musicians and never had to do hand-to-hand compact with anybody. So I've, <laughs> and I've done a few years. Well, so that's good yeah, that you've never well, experienced that. I've never, I've never had a client injured. I've never lost a client. So, I mean, I can't be doing too bad. But um, I think yeah, that's, no, yeah, it's a negative industry and that's kind of where... Um, I've come out from. There are positive people in the industry, and I said my last boss is a positive person, but he's surrounded by negativity, so sometimes he can be, and yeah, he sees that, I think, and he, he's quite an intelligent person okay. to kind of put himself out of the way a bit, so um, I think it's finding that space and time and finding yourself, and if you can't, do what I did, just get out, get out quick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Your so that's, me, that's kind it. of a brief history of my career, and now I'm a dog walker, mm-hmm. which is like people say to me, oh, what do you do now? It's like, oh, what dogs? They're like, well, that's not really a living. I'm like, well, it's a better living than I was earning when I was doing security. So I'm earning more money. It's money yeah, for me. Just... I'm doing mm-hmm. less hours. And I've got no stresses, really. It's just the dog may run off and chase a deer. It'll, it'll soon come back. That's, that's literally the only stress of my day. Oh, let's chase some rabbits or squirrels. 
Oh, he's coming back now. And that's yeah, I it's not like I have to like really constantly panic. A lot so less I, stressful. Yeah, the only stress I get is driving around because people people can't drive. I mean, people are saying about yeah. me, I can't drive, but you know, I think I think that's. Um, I heard someone so I think they said the other day. I don't know if this is true, but they reckon you drive around an anxious level of seven out of ten constantly because it's such a high impact in your face of visuals and sounds and everything. Your body, even though you feel like you're relaxed. You're not. You're actually operating at seven out of ten capacity of anxiety, um, which kind of makes huh. sense. Which is why road rage yeah. suppose, is kind of quite high. You're kind of a, you're almost raging anyway. Um, but then you get the opposite yeah. where you get autopilot. So if you drive the same route every day, who just drove here? Because I don't remember anything. Did I go through a red light? Did I? Did I? I have no idea. And you just end up in the place you're supposed to be. But again, they say that's, that's true. because you're you're too busy conscious playing you know, taking in everything else around you that you forget that you're actually driving. Yeah. <laughs> and no, that's a great it. point. Yeah. It's like walking and you just walk somewhere and go, that seemed a lot quicker today because you're used to the route, <laughs> I think. It's just one of those things. But yeah, no, so that's my, my career. Yours is more educational. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> mine's, well, I mine's, can touch on all... Mine's <laughs> sitting in hotel corridors and reading books and yours is like actually dealing with people on a higher level that I've, I, I mean, I studied psychology at university. I think we, we've had this chat off. You know, I, I yeah. kind of understand psychology. I do enjoy it. It's. Um, I did think I might become a sports psychologist at one point, but I just. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of it. Just lots, it's a lot of training. I just don't know. Yeah, it's definitely a lot of training, and I think I'm super grateful for it. And like, I wasn't always just in the mental health field. Like before that, started back when I was babysitting. <laughs> but I'm not going to go that far. <laughs> but okay. I was. No, but I think like growing up too, like I've always had multiple jobs, like, and I think that's kind of what led to where I am now, but I've always had so much on my plate. Like I was a workaholic and sometimes I have to check myself still because that's what I'm helping people do is like having balance in their life. But I think when going through school, like as when I was in my master's program, I also worked for my campus. So I started like as a student worker which means like I would just help like in the office, things along those lines. And I worked my way up to being a campus manager. So I like ran the facility, um, just like understanding budgeting and how to like run a business in a school setting, which was really cool. And that's why I think helps me now. Um, so I do have that background, but I was constantly surrounded by psychology. So like, that's like all I kind of knew too. Um, yeah. But it was like dealing with people's emotions, dealing with like the business side of things too, and keeping it separate can be really difficult sometimes. Like, especially if you're a student, you work there, like you're dealing with all these different relationships and the dynamics. And so kind of fast forwarding to my doctorate, once I finished, um, I was working in a private practice and I absolutely loved it. Like I had such a great environment of the people I worked with and I had so much support. I think for me, because I was a workaholic, I would take on like 30 clients a week and I would want more because like financially I couldn't, afford not to have so many clients so essentially I'm dealing with different emotions every week and I had so many amazing clients like I honestly loved all my clients I really did um and some like stand out I wish I could say the same for all my clients but there's some of my clients that I was like I really can't bother to drive you anywhere today I just (laughs) (laughs) no and that's like I mean I think like especially getting challenged like really having to dive deep with individuals and understanding their stories it just made me more compassionate than I feel like I already was but I think that's why it led so well into being a life coach now because I got to the point where I was very burnt out I was seeing so many clients a week and I wasn't like taking care of myself like I was last on the priority list and like I mean people around me kept telling me you need to like take care of you and it just hit a point where I couldn't continue on the path I was And so like financially was a big reason why I moved home, but it was also to pursue my dream of like helping more people. Like I wanted to impact more people in a positive way that really wanted to change their situation and have more balance. And I think I've been hearing it a lot lately. You can't have balance. You can't have it all. And like you can, it's about prioritizing. You might not be able to have everything right at that moment, but it's working towards that. And I think with my background in psychology now, it just really helps open up the door for life coaching and how I became declutter your life coach because everyone's like, oh, I'm going to go clean your house (laughs) or organize it. (laughs) 
no, 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 no. I don't come round and I don't put me, 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 me outfit on and clean the shelves. It's for you to do that. But then I kind of get it. Yeah. We, 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 you know, it's, and I think because we both in a kind of a network marketing business as well. So we kind of, we have that training, yes. I think, and we are life coaches within that business as the way I kind of look at it. So I have a team under me and I coach them on how to do the business the best way in small pockets of time. So again, we, we teach a lot about organizing, finding balance, finding time. Um, right. And I think that's great. And I mean, especially with the dog walking business, that's all scheduled. So I know what I'm doing and then I can schedule my evenings around that or my weekdays or my meetings mm-hmm. or anything else that I want to do in my own free time. And I'm making sure I'm getting right. my own free time now. Um, Definitely. Whereas before I, you know, I didn't have weekends. You know, there's no yeah. weekends in security. This just doesn't, it doesn't exist. You, you pretty much work every weekend or if not, you're attached to a phone in case there is a call that you need to go to work. Um, and I think now I can just kind of say to clients and they go, what do you do Saturday and Sundays? I go, uh, no, no, I don't, no, sorry. Uh, I have to walk your own <laughs> dog, I'm afraid. Um, but um, yeah. You know, and, uh, yeah, and it's, it's setting uh, boundaries, right? Yeah, like it's yeah, really it's setting. Set I mean, I think, yeah, I think like, it was just like more with like boundaries and like, I think that's what, because it, I agree with like network marketing, like that you're in as well. Like being able to do that is really important. So you're teaching like your team how to like move forward and everything along those lines. And I think it's kind of like a segue to like my other company as well, where I'm helping them create this emotional balance more. So it's like being able to prioritize having the skill sets as a therapist um, or working in the field and moving that to coaching and really being able to like dive deep and figure out what's going to help you move forward. So you're not staying stuck. Because I think too, like therapy is amazing. And I'm such a firm believer in it and supporter of it because like, I know it's just so beneficial, but it's also like healing your past and being able to move forward versus coaching. You're really excelling and like hitting a higher level too at a different level. But yeah, that's all I was going to say with the like boundaries and just being able to support clients in that way. And like decluttering, it's like finding those gaps of where, they need to optimize their time and also have balance like with their family and their relationships because I mean I studied relationship dynamics for so long now and mm. I think it's just vital to like how we function day to day and building that trust and that rapport. Yeah. And I, I know the family unit as you've touched on before over it's drifted apart I think so much now with mm-hmm. technology you know we you, oh yeah you go out and watch people and we were out for a meal the other night and um there was a family of four there and the two kids were just on phones, just not talking to the parents because it's not a, they don't set the boundaries. I think that, you know, this is mealtime, take the phones away. And I think that kind of unity you see in different families, you see those that prosper well in life and stuff are those that are more likely to have that kind of, I think personally, have that kind of interaction and have that balance that they're taught from an early age instead of, you know, just letting them run free and then they get caught up in scrolling and it's just, you don't, you know, I set times of when I'm going to look at social media now. I try to. I mean, you still get mm-hmm. drawn in social media. I think it's a big thing, especially with business. Um, you know, especially if I'm booking for the week and people aren't replying. So I use social media as my main platform for my dog walking business. So people have to come in. So if I have to wait for a message, something pop up, and then it's like, it's not, oh, it's not the message. I want something else. But I look at it and you, you get into that draw. Um, but it's difficult because I can't miss out on that client not getting what they want. So I kind of... I'm almost educating my clients now regularly to say, look, you need to start booking online. You need to let me know early. Otherwise, I'm just not you're just going to miss out on, on walk. So mm-hmm. I, I am lucky now. I've got clients that are booking up months and months in advance because they're like, okay, cool. And they just go on and they book, which is great for me because um, that gives me more free time. And if I can you know, tell these people that once you know you're booked, I don't have to keep contacting you. So you know for the next year, just let me know if you need to cancel one, which is a lot easier than let me know you need to book 10. Just book the 10 now rather than week on right. week. You know, and then we've all got more free time to do it. So if I can be booked for three months in advance and I don't have to chase every Sunday, Saturday, Sunday, which was kind of my days off just to say, you know. I mean, there are some clients that, you know, and this is my, I suppose, from where I come from, I still want to help people. So... I have done mm-hmm. weekends because I don't want to let people down if they've got an emergency and, and you know, and I care about the dog and I'm like, we can't leave the dog at home all day. That's just cruel. I don't know. I'll, I'll come around and pick it up. And it's like, oh, maybe I should just say no. But, um, and you know, other mm-hmm. people can't use the technology because they're, you know, an, an older generation client that have, have dogs, you know, and they're just like, I don't use Facebook or I don't use internet or emails. So I do a lot of their sort of booking form. I just have to 
phone them or make sure they're okay for the week. But, you know, I could just say, well, if you don't book, you don't get. And I have done, done that yeah. to certain people. I had said, look, if you're not booking in advance, some people said, oh, can you? Can I have tomorrow? It's like, no, I'm fully booked tomorrow. It's like, you're you're a bit late. Or I do get some people go, mm-hmm. have you got anything spare today? I'm like, it's like nine in the morning. I don't know. No, but um, mm-hmm. I do have one client that I do just carry the key for because... I know they will ring me on the day and go, have you got anything spare? So I always carry the key just in case I do. Um, the break and emergency <laughs> key for Rolo. Um, bless him. Go um, on viral. They're, they're friends. <laughs> I've, known, I've known the owners since we're 11 years old. So it's, I kind of know. And his, um, his other half is a nurse. So she can get called in last minute to work. Um, so, mm. And I kind of respect that industry, the whole medical industry. I think it's great what they do. So it's, I think yeah. anybody that does that kind of firefighting, anything like that, it's just, you know, um, and I kind of say, okay, I'll sort it out. But if yeah, and there's always the mm-hmm. there's an exception. Well, there's to always rule. the ex- exactly yeah, took yeah. the words out of my mouth. Wow, well, there you go. So, <laughs> so not as stupid as I look or sound. No. <laughs> so that's kind of like I said. We want to get on this this one a nice sort of quickish podcast, obviously out of the way. Um, so we'll just touch on the last thing, which I've got written down because I did make some notes. On, on goals for both uh, business life and mainly this podcast what goals I think we've kind of touched the goals of the podcast um, I think it's provide mm-hmm. a platform to kind of you know invite people to listen invite people to join in there is you know if you go onto our anchor.fm link which will be attached to the podcast somewhere you can actually send us questions you can send us voice questions so we can actually add those in so we can actually hear you so you don't have to keep listening to my whiny english voice um all the time <laughs> and we can answer those questions so if there is any questions you can come in so that's my my goal with the podcast is to kind of grow it as a community um where we can help each other um, we are on Definitely. instagram and other stuff we'll link all that below um not done facebook because I wanted to keep it simple and streamlined. Instagram yes. is a good communication mm-hmm. tool, um, and we are on Twitter. Quick and just simple. This, that, and anything else that kind of comes up, because um, I just like watching Donald Trump make an idiot of himself on Twitter. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I told man, you, I can't I told wait till we get into that if topic. You, if you search for dummy on Twitter, because um, I did it because I wanted to make sure we we're, were appearing, if you search for dummy on Twitter, Donald Trump and POTUS are in the top 10 of those searches. Both his personal account and his president account are in the top 10 searches for dummy. So I don't know what to say. It should be interesting. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We're either going to appear alongside Donald Trump or he's going to shut us down. I don't don't know what's going to happen, but uh, um, (laughs) I guess we'll find out. I I mean, I don't, I said, I said, I don't, from an outsider point of view, it's crazy. Um, And when I listen to, I say a lot of my podcasts I listen to are American based podcasts. I think it's the biggest industry it is in there. Um, I don't know anyone that's nobody seems to have voted for him. <laughs> but what I can tell, like if you took a general consensus of like across social platforms, I don't know how yeah, nobody nobody voted for him. There's not one podcast where I listen to, there's not one uh I watch a lot of YouTube videos catch up. So these T V hosts like mm-hmm. uh Colbert and Fallon no, yeah. and that, these are these are media influencers and, and should be social influencers on people. And you just think, no. I remember listening to so Joe Rogan did a podcast. Um, and it's hilarious. He did a comedian one on the night um, of the elections, and it was called the End of World Podcast because uh, he believed whichever one got in, it was going to be the end of the world. So um, I had these comedians, and the general shock on all their their voices <laughs> when Trump was announced, when they were just like. No, this could not hang on. No, because I think I think everyone assumed that a career politician such as Hillary was gonna gonna get the vote anyway. Mm-hmm. I think that was just oh yeah, of... everybody was devastated. Yeah. It was like it felt like a black like hole that we were all in. That's like mm-hmm. what it felt like. The energy after it was yeah. crazy. I mean, I know I know in the UK we were like, well, it's, it's not really. It's the lesser of two evils is neither of them really. I mean, when you look at it, I mean, he's. But then you know, I think I think people are right when they're saying he's a. Uh, he's basically he didn't want to win anyway. He just wanted more publicity, I think, to boost his businesses and everything else. And he accidentally won. Would seem to. Yeah, be... I don't know if he really thought he was going to win. Yeah, you know? no, yeah. I really yeah, don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, so that's not really our goal. Our goal isn't to slate Donald Trump. It's fine. <laughs> No, um, <laughs> it's more because, inspiration and value. Yeah, in, in, <laughs> English, English politics. <laughs> English politics is much better. So let's let's not let's not let's not get stuck in politics. All yeah, time. We'll, we'll stick to that. Yeah, yeah. So the the goals was to be a community. I want it to be a community sort of podcast where people can get in contact, and we hopefully can provide value and bring people in 
um, to interview that can provide values. Mm-hmm. So um, be they from Definitely. business background, sport background, whatever, whoever we can kind of um, coerce into <laughs> being quizzed, I think <laughs> strong arm them in. Um, but uh, there's a few, <laughs> there's a few people I know that we've got in line to start off and then hopefully as it grows, and we'll attract, yes, yeah, we'll attract a bigger market and hopefully we'll get Donald Trump on and we can quiz Donald Trump, which would be brilliant. Um, <laughs> that should be yeah. very interesting. I yeah, don't know if he would yeah, agree. I'm not, I'm not sure I'd ask him, really. I don't, I don't know. Um, uh, yeah, You might have to do that one by yourself. Yeah, yeah. I, I, would, I think it would be like me going, um, yeah, I don't know what to say because it doesn't make any sense in my head, anything. So, um, but yeah, so that's my kind of goal with this. I know yours is, I think, along the same sort of lines. Yeah, definitely. Just bringing inspiration and interviewing people. And I have a couple of people lined up too that I feel like will add a lot to the like the community. And we just mm-hmm. want to bring an essence of like belonging together and being yeah. able to provide to each other. Yeah. And we don't we don't want it to be stuffy, cold and boring. There will be some humor. No. Um, mainly provided by <laughs> questions, I'd imagine. Um, I'm probably going to ask something really stupid that people will be like, Phil, why are you asking that, Phil? Everyone knows the answer. Don't ask such a stupid question. You know, everyone knows the sky's blue. Keep it interesting. Is, is it blue? Yeah, keep it interesting. And then for life, for me, I think, you know, I'm just, I'm in a place now where I'm happy going forward on my own path rather than, you know, kind of um, working for someone else's dream, as they always say. You know, build your own dream, otherwise someone will pay you to build theirs. And I think that's exactly. no truer, truer statement has been said. Um, and I think that's kind of my life and my career goal, just to grow to be able to give back is my big thing i want to be able to give back i want to be able to earn enough money that i can give back because the said my background coming from a council state where we didn't have a lot of money and i was fortunate enough to get a scholarship through sport and education um and actually pass an exam <laughs> it's about the only one i ever passed um but <laughs> they got me in um and it got me out again. hey it got you in um, that's all that matters this all that matters getting in yeah, and then staying there just don't don't leave just refuse to leave um <laughs> and um i obviously will touch on the sports that i enjoy we've mentioned rugby hockey and, and golf is a big passion of mine um and i believe you know i want to give back in the golfing community for kids that can't play golf and privilege so that's kind of brief overview of my goals i think the goal for this podcast mm-hmm. is our main kind of focus for now um to grow it to help people you know, have a voice and you come on, ask us questions. Doesn't matter how mm-hmm. stupid they are, because I will guarantee I will ask one more stupid. And no question stupid, right? Like it's really just like me. <laughs> well, yeah, no question stupid unless you ask a stupid question. I think that's that's kind of the <laughs> the add on to that. So you know. But yeah, well, we I mean, want questions. We want to be able to like provide answers. Yeah. No matter what the question is, yeah. if we can. <laughs> and we'll, we'll do research for you because if we don't know it, one of us will look it up and do some research into it. Because um, exactly. that's kind of what I do during the day. I just research audios and books, and we'll we'll do some recommendations as well. Um, I think mm-hmm. as we go along. So whether we've read a good book, good audio. And whatever we'll we'll chuck the links in below and do some stuff like that definitely yeah and I think like so my goals for life essentially is to kind of the same as Phil but being able to really work for myself you know I did the whole like go to school do well in school go to college and that didn't yeah. work out so well for me I think there, my purpose is so much bigger and I want to be able to impact people on a larger scale and that's exactly why I'm an entrepreneur mm-hmm. now but my goal is to be able to give back to the community as well. And this is part of it, having this podcast, but also being able to go back into the community, especially, um, and I'll get into this later throughout the podcast, but my dissertation for school was all about preventing childhood obesity through mindful eating. And that's something I'm very passionate about. And I would like to create that program to be in schools, to be in community centers. So with being able to be an entrepreneur, I'll be able to do that. So that's one of my Ooh, main so, goals too in so life, we'll, but and just so we'll touch back, back on yeah. my beast of being five and a half stone overweight at some point as well. Then, so we'll we'll really ridicule me. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it lightly. Thanks. Um, yeah, so that's kind of kind of it. So we've done we've done almost an hour. So that's an hour introduction into who we are, um, what we're planning on doing. Obviously, there will you know there will be things repeated throughout podcasts, I imagine, from our backgrounds to our kind of careers and aspirations. So, mm-hmm. um, so yes, yeah, so we just want to inspire um, because I think everybody's got a purpose in life. They just don't not necessarily know what it is. They just don't know how to voice it or how to, to, to reach their potentials and their goals. And I think that's something we want to help with um, because 
my background isn't as educational as the doctors, um, but I've, I've taken the leap and I've done stuff and hopefully I can give some value into that. So I think that's it. So we've done an hour. Yeah. So we'll wrap it up there. Yeah. So yeah. I shall say goodbye from me. Yeah, yeah. And the and the bye from all the way across the pond. And we're hoping this technology works. So <laughs> this is this is our test run guinea pig kind of podcast. So um, let us know what you think and follow us on social media. Um, just search the Doctor and the Dummy, um, and we will appear on iTunes podcasts, on Anchor FM, and Instagram and Twitter. And I think you're on there as Dr. Caroline Iskovitz. Um, don't ask yes. me how to spell that. Um, just just take a guess. It's, it's pretty <laughs> much how it sounds, Iskovitz. And then uh, I'm on all social medias as Philip Distin. So you can find me there as well. So we look forward to seeing you on the next podcast, which hopefully we're going to do weekly. Is that the plan? Yes. And we can't wait to hear yes. your questions and yes, your feedback. Yes, Anchor FM. If you jump on Anchor FM and find us, um, there's a portion on there uh, where you can send in voice note questions and so we can actually add those into the podcast as well so we can answer those so is that it we're good awesome we'll see Brilliant. you soon right, so we should sign off and we'll yeah. look forward to seeing you all soon take care